0: We live in a time where we've never needed more healing in this country in my lifetime. Uh, and in the midst of this presidential race, you have close ties to Vice President Biden. Tell me about the history there.
1: In 2007, he was, he committed to his family that he was going to run for president in 2008. And my good friend who had actually worked for him in 88 and ran Bill Clinton's 92 campaign, David Wilhelm, had a meeting with them as they were trying to figure out how he was going to run and who was going to be with them. David said, uh, he said he wants somebody to travel with them. David said, I think I've got the guy. We had our first meeting. I flew out there. Actually, Biden and I took a train ride home. I rode the train home for the first night and we had our first meeting. And the last thing he said to me, Mark, let's do a trip or two together. He was still in the Senate and he was going to be there for another year. And let's see if we like each other. And I'll never forget it. He said, because it's no fun if it's no fun. <laughs> and, and I said, you got it, Senator. So um, I came out to do a couple of trips with him. And as it turned out, we really liked each other. So I went to work with him in the Senate for the year. I helped run his presidential. And just anecdotally, it's a, it is important to credential this guy for the listeners who may not know him. I'm going to tell you about, first of all, the personal tragedy that he's been through, a lot of people know about his wife, daughter were killed. Bo and Hunter were almost killed when he was just elected as Senate. Um, And
0: this goes back to the early seventies, right?
1: So in 72, he gets elected. He's one of the youngest senators ever elected. He's down in Washington post-election before Christmas interviewing staff. His wife goes to get a Christmas tree with Naomi, who's, eight months old. Bo and Hunter are two and three. And just an accident happened. The plow driver just didn't see them, just broadside of them. Um, the wife and daughter killed instantly. Bo and Hunter had to be cut out with the jaws of life out of the back. And, uh, they didn't think Bo was going to make it. Irony of course is 40 years later, Bo was four, 40 years later, he dies. Cancer. Uh, uh, so, this guy has just been he had an incredible life. Then his house burned down. Uh, then he had an aneurysm, and they gave him a 20% chance of living. They had to cut the top of his head off, put a clip in his brain. I never missed a beat, never complains, So, I, I went to work for him, and I moved down to, to Wilmington to open the campaign office. I was in the Senate. We were going to switch over to the campaign and I had my stuff in the back of the car, and I was staying in a hotel for a couple of days while I looked for an apartment. So he said, Mark, the senator's going to be on the 5 o'clock train. I said, oh, I'll pick him up. Pick him up, drive him home. He said, what's that stuff in the back? that's my gear. He said, well, where do you live? I said, I'm just staying at a hotel. Room. I said, nope. Hopped the trunk, grabs my suitcase. He said, grab your stuff. I said, well, what? He said, grab your stuff. We walk in the front door, and Jill's in the back.
0: That's he his says, wife. Jilly.
1: You have Doctor Biden's in the in the kitchen. He screamed, "Jilly, Marky's going to live with us for a while." <laughs> he said, "I hear from you, okay." <laughs> That's it. But <He clears throat> you live on the third floor. Points to the third floor. All right, I'm in.
0: But that guy that you were getting to know then, in uh, through the years, we've talked about it many times. He has never deviated from that level of character and concern. Not just for you, but for everybody that he comes in contact with. Because for every story you've told me, there's ten more that you're going to tell me, and it's not just because uh, you're 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 some somehow fame struck by him. You've known him for years and years and years, and I work in the White House. Like I'm not fame struck by anybody. I already worked in the White House for right. seven years. Right. Yeah. So this is this is not some sudden thing. This is a consistency of character in Joe Biden that makes you love him as a man but know that he's going to be a good president.
1: I can just tell you that I, I said I worked in the Clinton White House. I have I have known Kerry and Al Gore and Hillary Clinton and John Edwards and Chris Dodd, I, all of them on some level. But I will tell you just unequivocally, I would say that they're both in the same room. There's nobody like Joe Biden as a human being. There just isn't. I, we used to ride that train back and forth every day. And I will tell you at least three to five times. One of the conductors or people working there would come up with a letter and say, Senator, my son's deployed. They can't tell me where he is. I, I know I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to know. Is there any way you could get this letter to him? He takes a letter. A month later, we'll see that person, said, thank you. He would not say a word, goes back, calls the DOD, says, find this kid, get him this letter. Doesn't make a big deal. Out of it, Just does it. Fast forward, we see that person on the train. Three week, a month, month and a half later, gives him comes up to him, gives him a hug. Says, Thank you so much. My son got the letter. Time it's, after time after time.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, uh, so many of these stories will choke you up when you hear about them because he goes the extra mile with everybody he meets that needs something. And you can speak to this much more than I can because you've been on the campaign trail. Uh, there's a lot of folks that need a lot of things and a lot of folks that asked for things. Um, it can take up a lot of your time. Yeah. And a lot of politicians are going to look the other way or nod and say, we'll do what we can. He actually gets it done. He's
1: just a guy who can't say no. Right. Uh, it just doesn't, you know, he, he wrote the bill, the violence against women act. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote the entire bill and took him eight years to get it passed. And to. Passed the funding bill to set up the call center. My very first trip with him was to the call center, bittersweet, that had taken its millionth call from a woman in distress.
0: Right. Right.
1: That's Biden, right? He just took it upon himself to say, I'm going to do something about this. And every year um, he gives his personal number. He's done it a thousand times on the campaign trail as vice president and running for president. If you're struggling, if you're a woman, who's been in trouble, um, give me my number, you can call me. If you're a young kid who used to stutter or still stutters, call me, here's my number, call me if you're struggling. Uh, it doesn't matter, if you're a soldier, I had a guy come to an event who had part of his face he lost because of cancer, a Marine Corps guy. Um, I said, just come on into the event with me. At the end of the event, I said, let's go over and say hello. People were shocked, everybody, he's got half his face missing. Um, Ed Schrank is his name. Biden put his arms around him. They went into the corner. Half the, ten of the people were in tears. Biden just took him to the corner, and they just talked for 30 minutes. There's no press around. He didn't need to do anything. He didn't get anything out of it. There's just nobody like this guy. There is nobody that I have ever met in politics or maybe out of politics who is more empathetic, who is more caring, who takes more time, Heal more people in more ways than Joe Biden.
0: And when you look at where we are in America right now, heal is a key word. Um, uh, The differences between us uh, can be worked out, but you need someone in the White House who is not just great at the job of being president, because it's a job nobody's ready for, but someone who cares about people enough because uh, you're president of the United States. You're not president of the Democrats. You're not president of the Republicans. You're not president of your base. Your president of the United States. And he seems to understand that better than anybody I know of.
1: He does, in my view, because he has spent a life in public service. He's a lawyer. And at one point, Bo, his son, who went on to be the attorney general, who was obviously a lawyer. And Joe was trying to come from, he said, you sure you want to do this? son?" And he said, yeah, I said, so they're standing there and, he says, Bo, why don't you go, you've got a family now. Why don't you you know go be a lawyer, make a little bit of money first. Go make some money. And then he and he says, Dad, put my hand I He said, Dad, shake hands. I'll start making money when you start making money. <laughs> uh, I Okay, point well made. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the legend that is Joe Biden doesn't just end with the got on the train every night and went home to Delaware. He is legendarily one of the poorest members that ever served in the United States Senate because he never got involved in a scandal and he never went out of his way to take money that could taint his image or taint the ability to do the job. And that's why, that's why his son said what he said yeah. to him there. I didn't know that story, but that's very funny.
1: Yeah, uh, oh, that shook his hand, make you a deal. Um, and in fact, he said when he started the run, it, it was funny and he was tongue-in-cheek. First time he ran, he said, uh, somebody said, what about all those people who go down there and they trade stocks? I'll never own a stock, and I'll never take an honorary. And he never did. Um, and uh, he had a thrift savings or something, but he had nothing to do with it, right? Just, uh, he never bought a stock. He never – and he didn't know – so we're running in 08, and, you know, people will go out and they'll give us – You know, senators do it all the time. Sometimes they'll donate the money. They'll get an honorarium, they'll give a speech for ten thousand right? dollars, right? They'll give a speech for fifty thousand. He never did that, and he's laughing. He goes, I have to tell you, I was only 29, I didn't even know what an honorarium was, <laughs> but I didn't think I should do it, so I didn't do it. <laughs> well, you think
0: about the amount of money he left on the table, oh. uh, just to make sure that he was doing the right thing. All right, now look, here's the nut for this. Uh, I don't believe we're in a position where we need to learn any more about Donald Trump. Um, I don't think anybody's been harder on him than I have, and it's been because he deserved it. We could sit here, you and I, and play Trump tennis and go back and forth for the next 24 (laughs) hours with stories we know, stories we've heard, all factual about the fact that the guy is not fit to serve another four years. And Why is Joe Biden, outside of the fact that we know he's a healer, give me one or two or maybe three issues that you know he's going to tackle that can make life better for Americans?
1: The very first thing, in my view, that we as a country need to understand that it seems like a great punchline to say, make America great again, Mm -hmm. right? That's a punchline. Make America already was great. We have our flaws. It is great. You don't need to make it great again. But you know what you do need to do? You need need to understand that we're in a global society now and that the reason, for instance, that there was never a third world war is because we helped create NATO, the alliance in Europe that made sure there was never another world war across Europe. That's one illustrative example of what we as a country need to do. It makes us stronger. When we have our strong alliances with Japan, with Britain, with Germany, with France, with Canada, it makes us stronger.
0: So you believe he'll be able to reestablish those ally relationships that have been so badly damaged.
1: I can tell you without revealing too much that he, he's called on a regular basis by people that remember he was the chairman of foreign relations. Right. He has personal relations inside of course being vice president as well. Um, they're yearning for it. They're yearning for a, a return to normalcy in the White House where they can count on us as partners. That's number one. The second thing I think that you will have is a government that he, that he understands, right? And that is functioning. And we don't want to get into the back and forth with listeners who may be Trump supporters. That, that is your right as a voter. Right. I will tell you unequivocally, having worked uh, in a White House, that we are living through a pandemic that factually could have been at least 50% better if we had a functioning government, somebody at the top who understood the Defense Production Act, and why it was important to get ahead of it. As you, as you probably know and your listeners might know, You don't want to get too much into the weeds, but the Trump administration did not want to pay in their budget for the pandemic response unit at the white house. Right. They acknowledge now that the Obama administration left them binders full of research and an entire infrastructure set up on the pandemic response, because it was obvious to everybody in the world that there was going to be another pandemic. And within 90 days, The Trump administration disbanded it, cut the funding. They don't even know where the binders are. And that sounds like you're getting into the weeds, but that's real-life consequences. We're going to have 300,000 people dead by the end of the year. They say at least half of those people would probably be alive if we had a response team and a response unit and a Defense Production Act that was activated and able to manufacture swabs, and PPP, PPE, and ventilators.
0: And and, and a relationship that would be maintained with places like the WHO. Regardless of whatever happened with China or didn't happen with China, the World Health Organization exists for a reason, and that's to maintain world health. Duh! Uh, And uh, that has been blown up as well. So if we go with that fact, and I believe it to be true as well, that Biden can can rebuild and maintain these incredibly important international relationships. Obviously, it segues into whatever is left of the pandemic that he picks up, he's going to have to run with as well. And once we have a vaccine, the vaccination uh, process is going Protocol.
1: to be... who
0: gets it, how do you produce it fast enough, all of those things. Domestically, is he ready to take on all of the challenges we have, not just in that regard, but all the domestic challenges that are out there?
1: Short answer, yes. Longer answer, more definitive. 2008, at the end of the 2008, the economy was shedding 750,000 jobs a month. People might forget that now. 750,000 jobs a month for three months. We had a worldwide economic meltdown. The guy who led the Recovery Act was Joe Biden. It was almost a trillion dollars that was put into infrastructure projects all across the country. Created about ultimately 14 million jobs. Those are facts. Less than one percent waste. Less than one percent. Still a lot of money, but when you're talking about the government having less than one percent that was wasted, either jobs were underbid. So,
0: well, that's yeah. a huge deal because because as so many people will say just as a default position. Uh, still, Trump's a businessman. Trump will be better for the economy. Uh, one of the reasons the economy isn't the shape it's in right now is because of how bad he is at managing business. Um, that is a fact. Uh, a lot of so people he, won't agree with it, yeah. but you're here to say that Biden does understand business, does understand the economy, has done it from a government perspective, and we'll do it again.
1: I'm going to give you some statistics that people are free to go Google if they want to Google. Because I've had people say to me, boy, this this Trump, this past three years, you can't, you, I mean, that guy really did a great job with the economy. And I said, would it surprise you if I told you, that for the first three years of the Obama presidency and the last first three years of the Trump presidency, that Obama had higher GDP numbers. He had about dead same amount of jobs created and the stock market went up the exact same amount. Would that surprised people when they say this guy is great for the economy. It does. Those are the facts.
0: Yeah. So, and as you said, they're Googleable. About,
1: yeah. Go look them up. Go put a chart, just go do a chart. How many jobs from 09 to 12? How many jobs from 16 to 19? Just go look at it. And then get a chart of the stock market. Stock market went up 60% under Obama 14 million jobs. Those are the facts. Highest GDP this administration has had, and again, I'm not here to argue whether or not he's good or bad 2.9%. He said we could probably. Trump said two years ago, he understands, he thinks we get the six or 7% GDP. That is just crazy talk, right? Those, those numbers don't exist. He did get the 2.9. Obama and Biden got the four point. So yeah, he knows how to run an economy. Yeah, he understands regular. One of the reasons is when you, when you grow up, just these are just facts. When you grew up the way Trump grew up, Trump never had to worry. This is not an indictment. This is an observation. Over a course of his business career, his father loaned him close to a billion dollars. All those loans were forgiven. So for the real estate piece of it alone, $450 million over four years. When his, every, one of his developments would get in Chapter 11, his father would just give him a loan and forgive the loan. I mean, that's good work if you can get it. Those are the facts. Donald Trump was voted the worst businessman of the decade in the 90s. That's a fact. He filed bankruptcy six times. That's a fact. So I just think if you're looking at who a quote businessman is and who understands the workings of government and how to have a blend between business, Main Street, Wall Street, and labor, to try and get good paying jobs, have an understanding that health insurance, health insurance is what causes about eighty percent of bankruptcies in regular families. The inability to pay their health care costs. Right. We've got probably ten or fifteen million people who've lost their jobs. And because of the Affordable Care Act, almost all those people were able to buy into the exchanges, because if not they have no health insurance. Right. So you ask another thing about what Biden knows. His son was dying, and he said to me and others, I thought to myself, I have great insurance. My son's dying of brain cancer. What if I didn't have insurance? Right. What, would, what must that be like for people who are working two jobs at $14 an hour? That's the guy you want in the White House, because that's middle America, right? And so I will just say that there is nobody – better positioned at this time in history who knows more about how to make government run effectively and not not be over prescriptive of what people should have in their lives but do what government should do protect their citizens provide the blanket of freedom that we need and provide a backstop for the elderly and the indigent that's what you want the president
0: there's no question that's what
1: this guy embodies um
0: last question in, in regards yeah. to the uh, Issues, I suppose, and you can go to Biden's campaign uh, website anytime and see a long list of how he feels about issues. Uh, The African-American anger in this country about mistreatment and uh, uh, and just being fed up with uh, being uh, assumed guilty because they're black of who knows what. Uh, How does he fix that and what is his relationship with the African-American voter?
1: Uh, if you live, have to look really no farther than South Carolina. In South Carolina, in the primary, Joe Biden got outspent 60 to 1.
0: Six zero, 60 to 1.
1: 60 to 1 in South Carolina. He won every county in the state. He has had a relationship with Jim Clyburn and John Lewis and... The civil rights icons, you know, for 30 some years. Guy grew up, he's told the story before, but he was a white lifeguard in an all black pool growing up and in the south side of uh, Wilmington, Delaware. He doesn't, he grew up, played football and baseball with African Americans. He had friends, a guy named uh, Popcorn, who was just a tough, tough, tough neighborhood guy. Where they almost got into it once and they ended up being lifelong friends. Black people and brown people in this country should know if they don't already, especially young black and brown people that this guy, Joe Biden, um, has been he has been so in touch and so in tune to the African-American struggles uh, for 34, 40 years of his career that I say it again, there's nobody who understands that we need law and order, that it's imperative to have law and order, but we need to change the, the dialogue that we're having with communities of color. And he is just well positioned to do that because African-Americans in leadership around the country, ministers and elected officials trust Joe Biden. And when they trust him, their parishioners tr- trust him, sure, sure, uh, and he can evangelize in a way that, frankly, it's just—it's not something this pre- president cares to do. Again, it's not an indictment; just an observation. He has no intention of trying to heal this country. Just and, not who he is.
0: And, and South Carolina, just statistically, the sixth highest black population in America, and they came out to vote in droves. Um, yeah, for record turnout, Joe Biden. by the way. Um, I'll leave you with this because we have much more to talk about over the course of the next 125 or 30 days on the Biden campaign and the presidential race in general. Um, I believe it was Bill Clinton who uh, said, there's nothing that's wrong with America that can't be fixed by what's right with America. Oh. And it's a, just a great summation of why this country is already great. And we need to get back to that sentiment. We can get there together, and we will. And you know what it comes down to for me, Mark Doyle? It's respect. We need to respect this country in a way that we haven't since 2016.
1: There is so much more that unites us than divides us. Just come, this is going to sound so zen, just come from a place of peace. Just start there.
0: Right. Assume the Uh, best in people, not the worst. Right. (laughs) You know, it's uh, it's stuff that you probably learned in kindergarten, to go back to that old Start book.
1: There. Remember that book, Everything I Learned?
0: Everything I, I Learned I Learned in Kindergarten, kindergarten. right. Yeah. Right. Put your stuff uh, Live back. that
1: life. Live that life that you want your children <clears throat> to live.
0: Right. Amen. Live
1: that. Be that person.
0: So have faith, um, be positive, uh, wear a mask, Right. Uh, social distance, get involved with a charity in your town, Uh, or a charity of your choice that serves uh, veterans and uh, you're starting to take care of your part of the world in a much bigger way. Live from my office is a product of Monkey Run Productions, all rights reserved. Live from my office is mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran, and hosted by Steve Cochran. Let us know what you think about a specific episode by leaving a comment wherever you're listening, or you can email questions and comments to thecochranshow at gmail.com. Steve is available for your corporate speaking gigs. You would love to host or MC your event, and occasionally, he's fine. Thank you for listening. Head to cochranshow.com for more.